0: Well, good morning, good morning, good morning. I'm glad you guys are here. here. Thanks, Pop. At least my daddy's glad I'm here. Um, We're in the book of Deuteronomy, uh, chapter 20 this morning. And uh, I just want to start off by encouraging you guys. uh, And we're going to get into this in this morning's scripture. Um, Don't lose heart. Don't lose heart. Okay? The God that you serve is faithful. That's the song we just sang, and that's the reason we sang it. He is faithful. He is long suffering. He doesn't change. The times may change. The seasons may change. Circumstances may change. Difficulties, trials, tribulations, all of these things, world events, and the world is dismayed at these things, and the world is thrown off course by these things, and the world calls their existence into question over these things, and what do they believe, and why do they believe what they believe, and they run to and and fro, seeking out, desperately trying to find a reason for being, finding a reason to be on this earth, a a reason to exist, um, and some meaning in this life, but for you and I, We have the same faith that goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden, really, that goes all the way back to the creation of the universe when God, our Heavenly Father, God Almighty, created the heavens and the earth, and he called the man and he called the woman into fellowship with him. And of course, mankind blew it. They chose to sin against God. They chose to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. uh, And they lost their relationship with God. And God, through the rest of the scriptures that we're studying, is reestablishing that relationship, reiterating the same promises and his same goal and his same purpose to have fellowship with with men and also to use those men who have fellowship with him as a light to the rest of the world to call them into that same fellowship But he's the same God yesterday, today, and forevermore. He says, I am the Lord, I change not. So it's so easy to get dismayed. You look around, you know, it's the story of Peter, isn't it? It's my favorite example because I can so relate to that. You know, here's Peter, he's on the boat, Jesus comes walking out in the middle of the night on the Sea of Galilee, and the disciples start freaking out, it's a ghost, it's a ghost, you know. And Jesus says, don't be afraid, it's me. And Peter has this beautiful statement of faith. And he says, if it is you, call me to come out on the water and to walk on the water with you. And he says, Jesus says, well, come on out, Peter. And so here you have this beautiful thing where Peter wants it to be the Lord, and he wants to respond to the Lord, and he wants to have faith, and he wants to walk in the power uh, of, the, of that faith and the power of the Spirit through his relationship with Jesus Christ. And lo and behold, he gets out of the boat, and Peter's walking on water. And and you wonder, there's got to be in his head a little bit of going, I can't believe I'm walking on water right now. I can't believe this is happening. And then Peter begins to look around. And he begins to see the wave, the waves of the sea. And he begins to see the darkness and hear the wind. And he begins to be afraid because he, he begins to understand within himself, this isn't possible. It's impossible for me to be doing this. This ought to be killing me right now. And Peter begins to sink. And there's this beautiful story where Jesus reaches out his hand and he lifts Peter back up and he says, Peter, where's your faith? Where's your faith? You know, and and, and we see that repeated again in Peter's life. You know, when he denies the Lord those three times and the rooster crows and he realized what he's done and Jesus had told him that was going to happen. And Peter runs off and weeps bitterly and he feels like that's it. I've blown it. He's done with me. But then as you fast forward, uh, the disciples, you know, Peter gets to a place where he goes, you know what, I, I, I'm, I don't even know what to do. There's only one thing I really know how to do, and that's fish, so I'm going to go fishing. And they go out fishing, and as they're out there, there's, they see a man on the shore, and he's cooking breakfast. And they're, who's that, who's that? And Peter's the first one that recognizes him. It's the Lord, it's the Lord. And they start rowing into shore, but not Peter, not Peter. He pulls out his outer garment, and he dives into the water, And he swims to the Lord as fast as he can. And there's this beautiful interaction where Jesus restores Peter and he tells him, feed my sheep, feed my sheep, feed my sheep. And it's the same thing, Peter, look to me. And even after that, you know, when he begins to tell Peter, uh, you know, listen, when you're young, you dressed yourself and you walked where you wanted to go. But when you're older, someone else is going to dress you and someone else is going to walk you where you don't want to go. And the Bible says it was speaking of the way in which Peter was going to be put to death to glorify the Lord. And the first thing Peter did was think about John, right? Well, what about him? And Peter said, if I wanted him to be alive until I come back the second time, Peter, what is that to you? And he makes this statement to Peter, you follow me. You follow me. And there it is, encapsulated Peter's entire life, his entire walk with Jesus through those three years. And Jesus looks him in the face and he says, you follow me. And then on the day of Pentecost, when they're filled with the Holy Spirit, everything changes for Peter, everything. And we see glimpses of the old Peter, you know what I mean? When he has the vision uh, of, the, of the sheep being let down with all of the animals, and he hears a voice, Peter, rise, kill, and eat. Not so, Lord. <laughs> there's, their old, there's Peter, right? There's Peter, Peter. And, he has this, and Peter always comes back, though, to center. He always comes back to his center. Peter, you keep your eyes on me. And that's what our job is. Keep your eyes on the Lord. Don't be afraid. Don't be dismayed. Don't think all hope is lost. Don't allow yourself to get into that frame of mind, guys. Because we are, Chuck Misser used to always say, we are being thrust into a time about which the scripture has more to say than any other time in human history. And guess who's the Christian today? You are. I am. I am. We're the ones that God has called to be on this earth in this possibly last generation. And so if he's called us to be a part of this last generation, this this final generation that's going to go into all of the prophecies concerning the end of days, the end times, what manner of lives ought we to be living? And where ought our focus to be? More, More specifically, where ought our focus to be? It ought to be on the Lord. And not on everything that's happening around us. God, was, God is not surprised. All the stuff that we see happening in our nation and around the world, God is not surprised. He saw all of this stuff coming. Our job is to keep our focus and our eyes on him. Uh, so, Deuteronomy chapter 20, let's pray over this first. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word and uh, thank you for calling us to be here this morning to fellowship together. Lord, we ask and pray that you would speak to us through your mighty word and that you would bring encouragement Uh, that you'd bring exhortation, Father, and even even rebuke if we need it, Father. Uh, But we would allow our hearts to be moldable, pliable in your hands this morning, Father, that you would have your way with us. Help our focus to be on you, Lord. Help us to get our focus off the things of the world and onto you, Father. And then when we get our focus off you and back on the world again, remind us, Lord, to bring our focus back to where it belongs in Jesus Christ, Lord. Have your way here today. Father, bless everyone who's here, everyone who's watching, everyone who's going to watch uh, the recorded version of it, Father, and I pray that you would be free uh, to speak into each life, Lord, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So Deuteronomy chapter 20 begins, when you go out to battle against your enemies and see horses and chariots and people more numerous than you, do not be afraid of them, for the Lord your God is with you, who brought you up from the land of Egypt. And there it is, that's the, the, the phrase that God repeats to the children of Israel again and again and again and again. And it's a couple of different ways. God repeats this to the children of Israel when he's commanding them to obey him, to follow him, to have an undivided heart, And he he uses this same phrase when he's telling them to not be afraid of their enemies around them, to be strong and to be courageous and to go forward and to do the things he's called them to do. So whether it's being obedient to what God's word has told us to do or not to do, or whether it's going forward in that spirit into the ministry that God has called each one of us to, or going forward into trying to find the ministry that God has called you to do. You know what it looks like until that point? Before you find the ministry that God has called you to do, if you don't yet know, for many of you, you do know. For many of you, it's your home. Maybe it's at your job or it's something else. But if you don't know, the walk that you walk preceding finding out what God's ministry is for your life is simply a life of obedience and worship. That's it. That's what it looks like. You want to find God's will for your life? Just love Him. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself and seek to align your life with the Holy Scriptures, and you'll find the will. Don't worry about it. Don't fret about it. Don't wonder at yourself. How come I'm not? How come I'm not? How come I'm not? When God wants to show you something, believe me, he can get the message to you. It's not a problem for him. Our job is to just focus on him, to follow after him. So he uses this phrase when he's talking about be obedient to the words I've given you. Be obedient to the commandments that I've given you. And also, when he's telling them, go forward and be victorious, he always reminds them whose name they're marching in and who stands before them. I am the Lord, your God, right? And that's that tetragrammatron. I just I said it wrong. I like Megatron. Like the tetragrammaton. it's that Lord. We've been talking this about this in youth group, that capital L-O-R-D, it's Adonai, it's Jehovah, it's Yahweh. It is I am that I am right? And as we go through the scriptures, there's all these different, he's Jehovah Nisi, he's Jehovah Shalom, he is Jehovah Rapha, he is becoming what you need him to be. He is your peace, he is your banner, he is your shield, he is your reward, he is becoming, that's what the I am means, it's not I am, and you ain't, you know what I mean? It's not, no, it's not it, it's I am. You are what, God? I am becoming what you need me to be. The ultimate culmination of that is in the man himself, Jesus Christ. God Almighty ultimately became exactly what we needed him to be. We needed an intercessor. We needed a high priest. We needed a sacrifice, and we need a mediator. And Jesus Christ, who is God is the I am, he became and is becoming what we need him to be. That's the God you and I serve. It's not a God who says, fall down on your face before I strike you with lightning. It's the God who lifts us up. It's the God who says, I love you and I've called you. Trust in me, believe in me, follow me. That's the God that we serve. And he is the Lord your God who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. For you and I, that is a picture of the world. It is a picture of sin and death that all mankind is held to from the moment of their birth until they give their hearts and lives to Jesus Christ. We are born sinners. It is so natural to us. It is so hard for us to not be sinners because it is our very nature to be sinners, and yet God says, I freed you from that. I freed you from that. And so when I fall to sin, when I do like the Bible says not to do and, and return like a dog to its vomit, we, we've, we've talked about that before, right? You've seen that, right? Right? You've seen what that looks like. Oh, what are you, Scruffy, what are you doing? What are you? Or a pig. You can clean up a prized pig. You can, you can scrub him. You can trim his hoofs. Right, you can you can clean up the snout, you can you can ooh, give him a flat top, You take him to the fair, win the blue ribbon, and when you come back to the farm, guess where Porky's going? Right back to the slop, man. Right back to the slop. And so God gives us these pictures, and He says, you don't have to live your life like that. For us, it's pictures of sin to go back, continually going back. That well is empty. That cistern is broken. There's nothing for you there, and yet we're looking down in it. Hey, well, there's nothing in here. And God's like, yeah, 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 I know, I know. Come back to me, come back to me. It's that reminder, it's a reminder. I rescued from that place. I rescued you from that place. I delivered you from that place. You don't have to be bound by that anymore, and you don't have to go back there anymore. Go forward in your faith with me. I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. So it shall be when you are on the verge of battle that the priest shall approach and speak to the people, And he shall say to them, Hear, O Israel, today you are on the verge of battle with your enemies. Do not let your heart faint, do not be afraid, and do not tremble or be terrified because of them. For the Lord your God is he who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to save you. Uh, Psalm 20, verse 7 Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. And when when he says chariots and horses, for you and I, that means man-made devices. That means man-made devices, not talking about machinery, could be possible that too, but it's man's ways, it's man's ways. In those days, in David's time, how do you win a great battle? Uh, We're going to need horses and we're going to need chariots. Chariots were akin to a Sherman tank in those days. You run your enemies over, okay? Chariots is what made an army powerful. They needed those chariots, and God says, you don't, but you don't. You don't need man's ways. You don't need man's devices. See, God, I have a problem, and you don't understand. I know what the Word says, and I know what the Bible says, but this is what I need to do in order to fix this, God. You don't get it. You don't understand. And he says, I understand completely, but just as the way King David understood that he didn't need chariots to defeat his enemies, so I'm telling you again, I am the Lord, your God, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt, and you don't need man's devices in order to have a blessed life. You don't need man's devices in order to get you out of this mess. You need to follow the Lord your God and trust Him and believe in Him all the days of your life. Isaiah 31, uh, chapter 31, verse 1 says this, Woe to those who go down to Egypt for help. <laughs> and that's a picture of the world. Woe to those who go down to Egypt for help and rely on horses, who trust in chariots because they are many, and in horsemen because they are very strong. but we do not look to the holy excuse me, but who do not look to the Holy One of Israel, nor seek the Lord. Woe to those. Woe to those who go after the world's devices and the world's solutions. And don't remember who their God is and trust instead in him. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verses 1 and 2 and 17 to 21 says this. When the Lord your God brings you into the land which you go to possess and has cast out many nations before you, the Hittites and the Girgashites and the Amorites and the Canaanites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. Hey! Oh. Um, Seven nations greater and mightier than you... And when the Lord your God delivers them over to you, you shall conquer them and utterly destroy them. You shall make no covenant with them. Again, there it's also a picture of the world. It's also a picture of man's devices. It's a picture of the dog returning to its vomit, a pig to the wallow. Don't make any covenant with them or show mercy to them. That's where Jesus said to his, to his followers, if your right eye offends you, pluck it out and cast it away from you. It's better for you to enter into heaven with one eye than to have two eyes and go into hell. If your right hand offends you, cut it off and cast it away from you. It's better for you to go into heaven with one hand than to have two hands and go into hell. Now, he wasn't talking about, oh, because your eye causes you to sin quite frequently and you run out of eyes. You only got two. You know what happens when when you pluck out the one eye? The other one starts sinning and looking where it's not supposed to look. Next thing you know, you're completely blind. You run out of hands, you run out of eyes, okay? What Jesus is saying is, is if there's something in your life that is causing you to sin, if there's something in your life that's leading you away from me, that's leading you away from your relationship with God, that's leading you away from being obedient to the word of God, you cut that thing out of your life. We don't make covenants with the world. We don't make make agreements with the ways of man. And no matter what the thing is in my life and how dear it may be to me and how important it may be to me, if it's leading me away from God, it's an idol in my life and it has to be cut out of my life. Well, I'm not going to do this anymore or I'm not going to do that anymore. Cut it out of your life. Stop making agreements with your flesh. And you understand, You know me. I'm preaching to, the, to myself here today. This is a message every one of us needs to hear every single day, don't we? Because I love making agreements with myself. I do. All sorts of agreements, right? <clears throat> Thomas's, we're, we're portly individuals. We're always on a diet and we're always talking about, you know, the, the, the diet struggles and stuff like that because it's such a beautiful relation. It, it helps us to understand the relationship with, uh, that we have with God and with sin, you know what I mean? Overeating is like sin in my life, right? It's such a great picture for me. I get it. It helps me understand, right? I know what it's like to know I need to eat this way and I need to get up and exercise, but, but. I want to stay up till 2 in the morning playing Call of Duty with my nephew, eat in pizza and wings, and then sleep in instead of working out in the morning. And I know it's killing me. (laughs) I know my heart's going, uncle, (laughs) uncle. And yet, I'll continue doing that. Isn't that how it is with us in life? Isn't that how it is with us, with different things in our lives, whatever it is in your life that leads you away from God, that brings emptiness to your heart and into your life and makes you feel far from Him, and yet your flesh craves that thing and longs for that thing. And God is crying out always throughout the generations, cut it out of your life. Make no agreement with it. Make no covenant with it. Cut it off and cast it from you. He has something so much better. You ever hear the, any country music fans? You ever, I like all music. you shaking your head no. Maybe you haven't ever listened to country music, the proper, there's an old song by Garth Brooks, it's an old song now, called Unanswered Prayers, right? Some of God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayers. And the song, Garth's talking about this girl, this high school girlfriend that he had that he loved so much, and he could, he pray, oh God, let, me, let her be my wife, let her be my wife, and she dumped him, like a bag of dirt, Right? that's what happens and he oh, and years and years and years and years later he was he was at an, uh, his his alma mater's high school with his wife this is all in the song and he runs into his old girlfriend and he looks at her and he looks at his wife and he says to himself thank god for unanswered prayers the thing you want so badly you know you know what you need don't you don't shake your head yes no you don't You don't know what you need. You know what you want, right? Like Gollum, it's mine, and I want it. My precious. That's how we are with our sin, sitting in our cave eating raw fish. You know, precious, you know. And God is saying, you don't need that thing at all. I have so much better for you. You know, and I use this example all the time that I wanted to live out west. I wanted to move out west, the land of snowboards and dirt bikes and all wonderful things and have a school bus full of AK-47s buried in the backyard (laughs) so I could kill the government people in Jesus' name, right? And God slammed that door in my face time and time and time and time and time again because he knew what I really needed. He knew what would really fulfill me. He knew what would really make me a rich man. And at some point in time, I, "Eh, okay, all right, I'll listen. I'll find, I get it. I'll do what you tell me to do. And man, he leads you right into the pasture. He leads you right into this, that beautiful Psalm 23. You're walking beside the still waters and the green pastures and the rod of the Lord is guiding you and comforting you. And even in the presence of your enemies, you don't fear because the Lord your God is with you. That's what God has in store for all of those who are willing to be obedient to his word, to walk in lockstep with him. Um, Let's see, I, 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 I didn't read the rest of that. If you should say in your heart, This is still Deuteronomy chapter 7, now verses 17 to 21. If you should say in your heart, these nations are greater than I, how can I dispossess them? This is Peter saying, these waves, I shouldn't be able to be walking on this right now. The wind is too much. I can't do this. If you should say that, then you will not be afraid of them, but you shall remember well what the Lord your God did to Pharaoh and to all of Egypt the great trials which your eyes saw, the signs and the wonders, the mighty hand and the outstretched arm by which the Lord your God brought you out. So shall the Lord your God do to all the peoples of whom you are afraid. Moreover, the Lord your God will send the hornet Among them, until those who are left who hide themselves from you are destroyed, you shall not be terrified of them, for the Lord your God, the great and awesome God, is among you. I love this. God says, What are you scared of? If need be, I'll use bees. You understand? If need be, I love the, when, when David is, comes into his kingdom, King David, and then he is re- revolted against by his own son, Absalom, and he's driven from his kingdom, and God allows this to happen as discipline in David's life for the sin with Bathsheba, and, and, and he's driven from his kingdom, and he's driven out into the wilderness... And God has him there for a time, and there he is reflecting on his relationship with God and recommitting himself to the understanding that I don't even need the throne. All I need is you, God. The throne without you is meaningless. You see, the gifts without you is meaningless. The blessing without the relationship with you is meaningless. And then God says, good, you got the picture. Now it's time to go back to the throne. And so there's this battle that takes place with David and his army and Absalom and his army. And the Bible says as they're going through the forest, more men were killed by the forest that day than were by the sword. And I one time went up to Pastor Chuck after a a message that he preached and I said, Pastor Chuck, what do you think it means when the Bible says that more people were killed that day by by the forest than were by the sword? He said, well, I think what it means is more people will kill by the forest than were by the sword. And I was like, whoa, (laughs) whoa, wow. What do you think that means? What do you mean? Like like the trees from the Wizard of Oz? You were hungry. You know, and he grabs it. Is that what happened? Was it beasts? Was it all the above? And God doesn't give us the description. I need to know. I want to know what it looked like. I want a DVD of it. And God says, You don't need to know the details. All you need to know is I was there and I will rescue my people by any means necessary. My ways are not your ways. My ways are above your ways. My thoughts are above your ways. Your job, trust in me. Trust in me. Put your faith and all of your hope and all of your dreams and all of your aspirations in me. Seek my face. Seek my face. And he shall say to them, hear, O Israel, well, skip down one, uh, two, to verse five. Then, after saying, don't be afraid, trust in the Lord your God, then the officers, officers shall speak to the people, saying, what man is there who has built a new house and has not dedicated it? Let him go and return to his house, lest he die in the battle and another man dedicate it. Also, what man is there who has planted a vineyard and has not eaten of it? Let him go and return to his house, lest he die in the battle and another man eat of it. And what man is there who is betrothed to a woman and has not married her? Let him go and return to his house, lest he die in battle and another man marry her. The officers shall speak further to the people and say, what man is there who is fearful and faint-hearted let him go and return to his house lest the heart of his brethren faint like his heart? And so it shall be when the officers have finished speaking to the people that they shall make captains of the armies who lead the people. Now this is a very interesting portion of scripture to me and I think that it's very uh, relevant to our lives today. Here's what I look at this as. God understands. You can sum it all up in this. God understands. I talk to young people, and, and they say the same thing to me that I used to say. I, I, I really can't wait for the Lord to come back and all, <laughs> but I, I really want to be married first. I really, I really want to have kids first. And you know what we old Christians who've been married and had kids and realize, let's go. Oh, do you? Oh, do you? Do you, Junior? Just you wait. (laughs) Rather than having that kind of attitude with them, know this God understood when you were there, too. God remembers when you were young, too. And He knew your heart, too. I just want to be married, first, Lord. Can you just wait? Can you, like, hold off all of world history? and all of prophecy and all of the scriptures written from the dawn of time so that I can get married, so that I can have this and have that. You think about it, this is like, wow, (laughs) wow. Only we would ask something of God like that. And guess what? God doesn't look at you and go, oh, you make me sick. That's That's what I would be like if I was God. Thank God I'm not God, right? God understands. God knows your heart. He knows where you're at. Listen to me. It's okay to be where you're at. It's never okay to stay there. It's okay to be where you're at. It's never okay to stay there. Walk in the light you have. Dad tells us all the time it's like driving a car, you know, and you got the headlights out in front of you, and if you got high beams, maybe you got 50 feet. Right? You can see. After that, you can't see. You don't know what's there. But you never stop and go, what am I going to do when I get to the end of my headlights? You know, I don't know what's there. When you get there, the light will be there too. Walk in the light you have. Trust in God. And don't judge other people for their situations. I love this portion. We're going to finish with this. Romans chapter 14. And we're gonna read one Romans 14:1 to, to Romans 15 3. So, like basically a whole chapter. So you better turn there. Get your Bibles out. If you don't have one, there's one under the pew. Go ahead, get it out. Come on. Quit it. Start it. Get it. Romans chapter 14 to Romans 15:3. Now remember what we just read, okay? Remember what we just read. God says: here's the situation: you just planted a vineyard, you just built a home. You just got married. I don't need you to be here. And I blessed you with things in your life for you to enjoy them. Go home and enjoy what I've given you. Enjoy what I've blessed you with. Your time will come. Your time will come. And you'll trust in me. When the light is there, when you're there, the light will be there as well. Romans 14, receive one who is weak in the faith, but not to dispute over doubtful things. For one believes he may eat all things, but he who is weak eats only vegetables. Now, that is so wonderful to use that as a club against vegetarians. <laughs> it's just so funny. You know what I mean? With your pita, people eating tasty animals, sure. You know what I mean? And we like, I have, my daughter's best friend is a, is a vegan, and I love to tease her so. She's such a doll, right? And I love to tease her all the time. But, but it, this is not about veganism. You understand, this is just a dumb, silly example that Paul's giving to make the real point. Do not let him who eats despise him who does not eat, and do not let him who does not eat judge him who eats, for God has received him. You like that? You like that? Don't let the one who eats judge the person who doesn't, and don't let the person who doesn't eat judge the one who is. You know what the Bible says. You know what the commandments are. You know the things that are written there. Don't do the things it says don't do. Do the things it says to do, and let God worry about the rest. We don't judge each other. Um, <clears throat> for, for, for God has received them. Who are you to judge another's servant? To his own master, he stands or falls. Indeed, I love this, he will be made to stand, for God is able to make him stand. In other words, oh, this Christian, if only, if only they were as mature in the faith as me, you know, if only they understood the higher enlightened things that I do, don't worry, God's going to bring them there, or God's going to bring you there. God is able to make him stand. One person esteems one day above another, another esteems all men, uh, uh, excuse me, every day alike. Let each be fully convinced in his own mind, he who observes the day observes it to the Lord. And he who does not observe the day to the Lord, he does not observe it. He who eats, eats to the Lord, for he gives, gives God thanks. And he who does not eat to the Lord, he does not eat and gives God thanks. For none of us lives to himself, and no one dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and rose and lived again, that he might be Lord of both the dead and of the living. In other words, there's bigger, let me me sum this up for you in, in, in Kirkville talk. There's bigger fish to fry. Jesus Christ came to save men. Jesus came to save us, to rescue us from sin and death, and to, and to, and to and put us into the light of our Heavenly Father and to give us eternal life through that sacrifice. Not so that we could not eat certain things or eat certain things. You live your life under the Lord and let other people live their life under the Lord, taking into account always the Word of God. For to this end Christ died and rose uh, and lived again, that he might be Lord of both the dead and the living. But why do you judge your brother? Or why do you show contempt for your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ, for it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us shall give account of himself to God. Therefore, let us not judge one another anymore, but rather resolve this. And that means this is important. Highlight this, write this down not to put a stumbling block or a cause to fall in our brother's way. I know and am convinced by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself. But to him who considers anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. Yet, if your brother is grieved because of your food, you are no longer walking in love. Do not destroy with your food the one for whom Christ died. Therefore, do not let your good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. For he who serves Christ in these things is acceptable to God and approved by men. Now, Paul here, guys, is writing to the mature Christian. Paul is writing to the mature Christian. You live out your faith with fear and trembling. You pursue righteousness and holiness and unity and oneness in the faith with the Lord and with the people around you. And don't be a stumbling block. Whatever freedoms God has given you, whatever God has allowed for you in your life, you enjoy those things and you you do those things or not do those things unto the Lord. That's your relationship with God but don't use the freedom that you have or don't use the things that God has approved in your life as a club to beat somebody else with. We are to be others-centered, others-centered. Lord, Lord, it's not what can I do and what can I get away with and what's mine and what are my rights and what is, my, what is mine, mine, mine in this kingdom. It's how can I help my brother. It's how can I help my sister. You understand? This is the same thing with marriage, guys. This is the exact same thing with marriage. It's not how my spouse can please me or what my spouse can do for me today. Honey, how can I bless you? God, how can I lead my wife? Lord, how can I be respectful to my husband in the the appropriate way as unto you, even when he doesn't deserve it? (laughs) And suddenly you find God is moving in your life. God is moving in your relationships, and God's light is shining there. I like this. Do not let your good be spoken of as evil. Hmm. Therefore, let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things by which one may edify another. And do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All things indeed are pure, but it is evil for the man who eats with offense. You see, it's not the thing, it's the heart. It is good neither to eat meat, nor drink wine, nor do anything by which your brother stumbles or is offended or is made weak. You got that, Christians? Do you have faith? Have it to yourself before God. Happy is he who does not condemn himself in what he approves. Ah, that's a tattoo verse. That's a t-shirt verse. Happy is he who does not condemn himself in what he approves. You know what he's saying? Because we make covenants and agreements with ourselves that we know to be a lie. I just don't have conviction about this. I I just don't think there's anything wrong with this. And deep down, we know we do. But happy is the one who is not condemned in here by what they approve. That's a happy, happy, happy person. And that's living before the Lord. But he who doubts is condemned if he eats because he does not eat from faith. For whatever is not from faith is sin. Yikes. For whatever is not from faith is sin. That means my entire life, every aspect of my life, everything I do, every, every relationship that I have ought to be lived in faith. God, this is something you've put in my life. God, this is something that you've given me. God, this is something that you're doing. And when that ends, or if that's not the case, Lord, take it away. Shut the door. I want to walk my life in faith. The problem that we have with that is because we get something in our lives that we want to hold on to, and we're afraid to put it in the hands of God as though it was better off in our own hands. And that's not the way. Uh, we then, who are strong, ought to bear with the, with the scruples of the weak. That's Deuteronomy chapter 20, guys. That's Deuteronomy chapter 20. We who are strong ought to bear with the scruples of the weak. God's intention was not for someone to say to the other person, Oh, I planted a vineyard. Look at me. I planted a vineyard. I don't have to go to war. I planted a vineyard. That was not the point of it. It was so that every single person that stood that day before God to go into battle did so in the fear and faith of the Lord their God and in the assurance that they were right exactly where they needed to be. That's why we don't beg people to serve here. You know what I'm saying? That's why we don't do it. We like to sometimes. Sometimes we'd like to call people and say, Hello, hello, we need you here. But we will never ever do that because we only want you to do the things that God is calling you to do. If God's calling you to serve in this building someplace or in this ministry someplace, look around and ask God, show me where I fit in, Lord. Show me where I'm supposed to be. Show me where I can help. And he will. And then go to your pastor and ask him. And he'll say, amen, praise the Lord. Or he'll say, nope, we really don't need that. And if he says, nope, we really don't need that, that's when you go, maybe the Lord didn't show me that. You don't go and you say, well, you don't know what you're talking about, pastor. God showed me. No, God told you that this was the pastor of this church, and we obey what he says. And I'm not saying, like, I don't like that shirt. I want you to wear red next week. That's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is God has given our pastor to us to lead this fellowship. You understand? He honors his word above his name. And I'm just, this is just a side note. When God is speaking to you, when God is showing you something, it will always line up with God's word and what is appropriate, and good, and decent, and in order. Our feelings are not God, and they certainly aren't God's voice. If my feelings goes against what the Word of God says, or I want to do something in this church, and my pastor tells me, no, that's not what I want you to do, my job now is to obey the Word of God and not what I think. It's important stuff. Um, We then who are strong ought to bear with the scruples of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, leading to edification. For even Christ, who is our example, did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. And so we ought to have the same heart towards our brothers and sisters. We are here to help one another. We are here to love one another. We are here to serve one another. First, preeminently, and foremost, through our service to God Almighty. That's the most important thing in this, in this church, in this fellowship. We preach the word of God, and we seek God's will for this fellowship, and for this church, and for this ministry. Whatever God wants us to do, that's what we're going to do. Whatever God doesn't want us to do, we won't do that thing. And we're not going to move someplace unless God shows us to move someplace. And the second thing that goes along with that is we are here for one another to uphold one another, to love one another, to encourage one another, to pray for one another. Listen, you can show people what the Bible says, okay? There's no, there's no, there's no judgment in that in saying, this is, what, this is what, the honey, let me tell you what the word of God says, okay? Let me tell you what the word of God says. This is what I, and this is, this is how I feel about this. You go pray about it. Don't put them in your hands, put them in God's hands. You go pray about it, honey, and you decide, and you let the Lord show you whether this is something you really ought to be doing or not. That's how we deal with one another, in humility, with humble hearts. I'm not your Lord, I'm not your overseer, well, I kind of am, <laughs> you're right biblically, I guess, but, but I'm not your boss, I'm not your master. I'm just another servant, right? And Dad is just another servant. Jesus Christ is our Lord, amen? amen. All right, come on up, guys. Let's share in the Lord's table together. <clears throat> Because this is what makes it all possible. This is what makes it all happen. This is what makes it all worthwhile, is that Jesus Christ became who we needed him to be. You know, when Jesus says certain words, you know, we can just read over it because we've read it a hundred times, but you stop and you read the words of Jesus Christ. If you just go through your Bible sometime and just read all the words in red, slowly, carefully, think about every word, you'll be blown away. They were so revolutionary and Jesus being the king of kings the lord of lords being the messiah being the savior being the son of god said the son of man did not come to be served but to serve and to give himself as a ransom for many that is that is flabbergasting that the king of kings and the lord of lords the creator of the universe the son of god came to seek and to save that which was lost, and to serve. And so if that was the mind and the heart of Jesus Christ, then here it would becomes. Remember what he says? No servant's greater than their master. So we ought to have that same heart of Jesus Christ. What can we do today? It's all because of what he did, though. It always goes back to him, to keeping our eyes and our focus on him. So we're going to pass out the elements. Here's what we like to encourage you guys to do as you're receiving the elements, have a conversation with the Lord. Have a conversation with the Lord. And I'll say this, uh, I I try to say this every time. I don't care what yesterday looked like. I don't care what this week looked like. I'm not worthy of taking communion. Yeah, no duh. Nobody's worthy of this. What matters is, where's your heart? Lord, I want to serve you. Lord, I love you. And I'm so appreciative for what you did through your son, Jesus Christ. That means communion is for you. That means Communist View. So let's share it together. Come on up, guys. white as snow <laughs> though your sins be as scarlet they shall be made as white as snow i mean you ever get blood on a white t-shirt and try to get it out <laughs> the picture there is that the sin in my life the sin in my heart there's no remedy there's no remedy but and i love that but jesus but jesus i was without power but jesus i was lost but jesus I had no access into heaven but Jesus. I didn't have the ability to live above the sinful thoughts and desires of my own heart but Jesus. And then he says, I want you to enter into a covenant with me, and I want you to share fellowship with me, and I want to sup with you, and I want you to sup with me. That's the best. And so here we are. Let's share this meal together.